You're listening to the Godfather and Gorney podcast on Rivals.com with your hosts, the Godfather of Recruiting, Mike Farrell, and National Recruiting Analyst, Adam Gorney. That's right. We are back with another edition of the Godfather and Gorney podcast. One of them is cranky. One of them is sick. Well, all right. Godfather is what? Cranky? Yes. And Gorney cranky slash uh, depressed. And sick in the head. I've been listening to <laughs> Park all morning while working. That, well, that, that'll do it to you. That will do it to you. But I, I do it to myself. But uh, I love that band. But uh, yeah, a little cranky. A little, little down but not sick because i have an immune system unlike gorney who has the immune system of a premature baby yeah you're but, like uh, you're like dwight Schrute on the office because he said he never got sick and then that you know he has a great immune system but that that means you don't have a good immune system now my immune system will grow and fight this off right yeah, so we should sneeze in your face all the time like you did on the office <laughs> Well, Gorney's sure. got an excuse. He's got a kid in preschool, so she's bringing home all the diseases. <laughs> yes. I mean, that place oh, is like a Petri dish. There's tears, there's tears flowing like Niagara Falls in that room. It's a, I don't know how the teacher does it because I, I would leave after an hour and I'd leave all the kids in the classroom and get in my car. Well, she's probably all, <laughs> I don't know, drugged up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope not. To deal with those children, she has to be on some sort of hallucinogen. My buddy's kid, when he was two, used to you know, he used to go over to the house, and I would catch a cold every two seconds because there was one kid named Gus at the at the Gus. Yeah, Gus, and he was just loaded with snot. Like Gus was snotting everywhere. Like, Gus. Gus is cute when you're two, but when you're like 22, Gus isn't so good, I don't think. Is it, no offense is it, to any Gus. Is, yeah, is it cute when you're two, though? How, can you look at a baby and say, that looks like a yeah. Gus? <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a kid who knocked on our door one year for Halloween, and he was probably like two or three, and his name was Bruce. And you're like, <laughs> that's like a man's name, not a little that two-year-old That is a man's name. name. You know he's going to be kicking ass in bars. And- mm-hmm. Nice. Gus, I don't know what type of name I don't know what type of name Gus is, but he had snot coming out of his ears, out of his nose, out of his eyes, and he would get sick every second. So my buddy's daughter would bring home these rare Ebola type. Yeah, and uh, this was a long time ago, and uh, it, it ruined my streak of I, w- I was on a ten year streak of not vomiting. Okay, good, good it. to know. Ruined it. Yeah. Right before I had to go on ESPN News, too, I was ralphing like crazy, cursing Gus's name, and that was a long time ago. Now I don't leave the house, so I don't get sick. Yeah, I want to. I want to walk into her room with like one of those yellow, you know, things on, on on my yeah. uh, hazmat suits because you just know things are going on in that room. <coughs> so oh, that's what's going to happen all sound, day long. <laughs> freaking awful. All right, let's so, talk Miami, Florida, uh, which talk will about also sick. make you sick. Because that game was yes. disgusting. I want to talk Felipe Franks first. Yes. I want to send a little message to him. Not that anybody listens to this podcast, but just zip it. Just shut yes. up. Stop. If you're good, you know, like Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, maybe you can get away with antics like that. But you're not good. So no. zip it, shut up. 
We're going to score 50 points every game. He's talking smack to the Miami fans during the game. Then he throws the, the worst interception you're ever going to see. Um, they win a horrible game, and, he, you know, he's acting like he's he's the king of the world. You are not. You have a lot of work to do. You've not developed into the quarterback that many expected you to do. So let's just humble it down a little bit and, and shut up. Somebody told him to do that. Um I don't remember. I think it was Aaron Murray or somebody told him to do that, but it's much more important coming from me uh, since I have so many quarterback accomplishments under my belt. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a there's a fine line between being excited for your team and trying to get a team that looked like it was you know going to a funeral through the game, uh, just a boring, badly played game, uh, and acting sort of like a jerk on the sidelines talking trash to people, you know, high-fiving people. That You know, I, I just didn't get it. He didn't play all that well. I mean, his stats weren't all that bad, 17 for 27, 254. But two interceptions, neither team and – I, and I don't buy the argument that they played a week early, so that's why they looked sloppy. I mean, is one week of more of practice going to fix a lot of those problems? You know, Miami didn't look good at all. Florida didn't look like a team that could compete with Georgia – I think their defense is probably better than I expected. Their offense is not nearly as good. And so, um, you know, I think this is a team that finishes second or third in the division. Miami is a team that, who knows? I mean, they, they just don't have a whole lot going for them. Yeah, right but they're in, the, they're in the weakest division. Yeah, they are. possible. Yeah. And, you know, before we get to the, the Tate Martell discussion, I, I think Florida plays – dumb football. I mean, I, I cannot believe on that fourth and whatever, 30, whatever penalty. That, yeah. I mean, that is just the stupidest thing in the world. And if I was a head coach, I would lose my mind. And there's Dan Mullen after the game, smiling saying, Oh, that was exhausting. I yeah. imagine Nick Saban. Yeah. Would Nick Saban be happy with that victory? No, absolutely not. So, you know, would Bill Belichick be happy with that victory? W- w- yeah, would Kirby Smart? Would anybody? Would Well, you know? I, I don't know about those guys because they haven't won, you know, multiple national championships and Super Bowls right. and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe Dabo would put his aw spin on it, but that's unacceptable play. They should have lost that game simply because of the fourth down penalty. They didn't deserve to win. Miami didn't deserve to win. The offensive lines both stink. Yeah. Uh, Jaron Williams, this is not the fit. Uh, Tate Martell at least can run around a little bit and, and escape and survive. So I don't think they're going to make a move right away, but eventually we're going to see Tate Martell. I wouldn't be surprised if we do. I thought Williams played better than a whole lot of people expected. Um, you know, not throwing an interception, but but the yeah, setup yeah, from Dan Enos. It was all short dump offs. passes, yeah, though. Yeah, absolutely. The only I mean, nice which pass was smart. Was... It's very smart. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it was a lot of trick short passes and throwbacks and all that kind of stuff. Just the screens and stuff. The the, the touchdown pass to Brevin Jordan was tipped. So, you know, he he, he looks like he could – he's a manageable quarterback, but he does look like a backup quarterback. That's not a quarterback that leads you to any sort of ACC accolades. And in his defense, I mean, my goodness, that offensive line is so bad. Yeah, terrible. His blind side was just, it might as well have just put four linemen out there. You know, just yeah. forgot about a left tackle because he was running for his life every second. But there's a lot of skill on both of those teams. Now, I looked at it. I don't think 
Florida has a five star on the roster. Uh, I may be wrong, but let me let me Trayvon Grimes. Oh, that's right, transfer. Okay, yeah. Because I was looking at I'm doing this amazing series on the highest uh, recruited player on each team, and uh, it was Felipe Franks, and I had to check like a bunch of times to see, you know, as far as recruitment, you know, they had uh, what was it, An- Antonius Clayton? Uh, yep. But he transferred. He was a five star. But they have not recruited five stars. No, and that's crazy. So I can see why people get a little bit frustrated with the recruiting. Jim McElwain was not a good recruiter. I don't believe there, and and I don't think Dan Mullen's done a great job recruiting there either. They've got a lot of interest, but they can't seem to close on on big name guys. So you know, we'll see. I mean, we might see Emory Jones this year. I mean, Franks didn't look good at all. So yeah, that was sort of the talk that there could have been. You know, behind the scenes, a little bit of a quarterback controversy because Emory Jones is so much more athletic, and I believe if I'm, I believe he started off as a five star and then sort of faded down the down yeah, the line. Yeah. But in terms of athleticism, and Franks continues to have the same problem that he had. Maybe it was just one game, and or maybe the last four games of last year didn't didn't transfer over. But he overthrows guys all the time. And that continues to be his problem. And the, that offense, you know, we, we've talked highly about Dan Mullen uh, during his time at Mississippi State and now at Florida. I'm a big Dan Mullen guy, but the play calling seemed bad. Uh, Felipe Frank seemed off. That offensive line is no good. Um, so enough about that game. I, you know, it's like I was excited about the start of the college football season. And then after that game, I'm like, if the rest of the season is anything like this, it's the sloppiest, ugliest football you're ever going to see. So I think we both agree Florida is not ready for prime time. Georgia is going to win the SEC East. And, again, this is overreaction. I get it. Yeah. Week zero, all this other stuff. But I just don't see enough talent on that football team to give Georgia a run. And then Miami will probably win their division. I mean, you know, mm. if you had to name the other teams in their division right now, could you? I would take, I would take Virginia to win that division. Yeah, a lot of people think last year was a fluke for Virginia. They could very well do it, um, but there's really just not a lot of competition over there. I mean, Virginia Tech no. is an absolute nightmare. Um, you know, they quit last year. Um, it, it's just there's nobody there. Everybody's yeah. in the in Clemson's division, and it's a shame because Clemson is going to roll over everybody. Right, right. So, what about um, Arizona Hawaii? Are we going to talk about that? Thriller? Yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about Kevin Sumlin and his coaching ability. But it's good to see Khalil Tate back healthy and running around and stuff. And it was a very yeah. exciting finish. Obviously, you know, tackling him at the one yard line and all that good stuff. But um, you know, I, I just think I think Sumlin is not long for Arizona. Yeah, I, I don't see it either. And I criticized the play calling early for Arizona because they were, you know, Tate was had a 1.8 quarterback rating or something, 0 for 6 to start the game, something crazy. His stats were, were way off. But when you let Khalil Tate run around and create and not try to make him something he's not, which Kevin Sumlin and Noel Mazzoni had tried to do with very limited success, um, he can put up big numbers and keep you in games. And it looks like that Arizona defense is just miserable. So he's going to need to do that. Um, he's going to need to do that. You give up 45 points to Hawaii. Uh, you're going to need to be in a, you're going to need to have him run around and create. And he and JJ Taylor looked like that 
that's the offense and let it be stop trying to you know out coach yourself and just let your players use their skills so losing to Hawaii is not a very good start to that season things are going to get tougher for them and and other than Tate and Taylor I just don't see a whole lot on that team and you can the second you talk about the Pac-12 you can just hear people zoning out yeah so we won't spend much time there um, until somebody proves worthy of, of spending time on there. I mean, you know, if Utah wins the Pac-12, will anybody you know, treat even, no, even notice those things? So um, let's talk about Andrew Luck and Rob Gronkowski because I, I want to take this to a different level, the high school, Uh-oh. the college football level. Okay. So we've had. Andrew Luck retires based on injuries, based on the pounding he's taken and the absolute toll it's taken on him mentally to continually rehab and and all the surgeries he's had and blah, blah, blah. Then two days later, Gronkowski uh, obviously announces he's partnering with some CBD uh, pain thing um, and says he's pain-free for the first time in 10 years. And he gets emotional and starts talking about how Football wasn't fun for him, and he cried the night they won the Super Bowl. Um, and all the injuries that he had. I, I know kids are leaving college after three earlier than ever, but I, I think I think it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse because the shelf life of the NFL player has suddenly shifted over the last four or five years, where you've got guys uh, retiring you know, in their late twenties and taking the money and and saying, you know what, I'm not going to put my body through this anymore. How do you think it affects the college football game? Well, I think it affects the high school football game first. um, They can't leave early though. They can't leave early, but they could certainly dial it back. And I think we've sort of seen that uh, in kids senior years, uh, you know, getting pulled earlier or not playing as much or, you know, not playing in all-star events or doing those kinds of things because they don't want to get injured for college. I mean, I've talked to parents of running backs who were talking about, you know, limiting their carries in their junior years of high school, in their senior years of high school, because they, they want tire on their treads for college and, and the pros. And so, um, you know, for an example, and this is kind of one of the toughest, meanest kids in high school football. Justin Flo came in the game last Thursday to play running back because his team needed a spark and real quickly kind of got pulled out of there because needed to save the knees for, for, for future endeavors. Um, well, who, who was it? Was it, <clears throat> was it Devin Kennard years ago who got hurt playing running back? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and so, remember when Clowney was playing running back? And I'm, I'm like, this is the stupidest thing you could possibly do is take these elite amazing defensive five-star kids and, and play running back. back. Well, speaking of Clowney, I mean, he kind of did that in his third year at South Carolina. He dialed yeah, he it back it and yep. yeah, mailed, mailed it in. And, and so <laughs> I think, I think this is definitely something. And I also think part of it is these kids are so fine tuned today that any minor tweak 
they're sitting out. You know, there's, you know, Keyshawn Johnson once told me kids are like Jaguars now. They look good and they run well, but any little thing and they're in the shop. And so I think that plays a factor in it. I'm not going to say it played a factor with Luck. I'm not going to say it played a factor with Gronk. And I don't think we're going to see this long term, but, um, you know, guys are getting paid so much money so quickly in the NFL. You know, Andrew Luck's almost worth $100 million. Why play into your 30s and you can't bend over and and tie your own shoes when you're 45? So I think they get the money um, and then they move on to other things in their life. And by fine-tuned, I'll I'll say snowflake. Well, I I also think linemen used to be 230 pounds and now they're 330 pounds. What were you gonna say, David? <laughs> yeah, I was. I was just gonna say they, they've all these kids have been playing for much longer, and they play more. They play year round now, you know. Um, so no, but that we're seeing a, a generation now, like Andrew Luck's age. Yeah, there's plenty of examples of guys retiring around that age um, because they've been playing so long. So there's a lot of wear on their bodies. It, it wasn't always like that. You didn't start way back in the day. You didn't start playing high school, or you didn't pl- start playing football till about high school or maybe junior yeah. high. Patrick Willis is another good example of a guy in his prime who decided to retire. Uh, is Jim Brown a snowflake? Is Barry Sanders a snowflake? I mean, those are rare examples. <laughs> uh-huh. um, no, no. But, I, but I even on the high school level, Listen, I don't, I mean, I'm not old enough to know why Jim Brown retired. So shut up. First yeah, of all. I'm not eight. Um, <laughs> Barry not? Sanders was frustration with the Lions organization. He was just going nowhere, and you know, it, back then guys didn't act like babies and demand trades and all this other stuff. Um, they just retired, I guess. But I don't know. It's it's weird. It's it's it, but the depression angle here is interesting to me because people think these guys are robots yeah and they have no feelings and they and you know dealing with pain on a daily basis is a grind dealing with expectations dealing with reaching your ultimate goal at such a young age and then you're like what do i do now um I think a lot of those things play into your love of football. And, you know, I think people were really surprised, you know, Andrew Luck's a different cat, you know, Um, you know, a lot of people said that this wasn't completely unexpected that he would give up the game early, but I think people see Gronkowski as as much fire and energy as he brings to the football field and as as affable a personality as he is. I think people are, are a little bit shocked at the level of sadness uh, and despondency that he was facing that forced him to quit. He said, physically, I could play, but emotionally and mentally, he just can't do it. So I don't know, you know, how you address that. I don't know how that's fixed. Um, I do know that, you know, the criticism that people like you and I give um, probably contributes to that. But that's what people want. They want people torn down these days. Yeah, and it's it is a weird societal change, right? Well, everybody has a voice, you know. So, so you know, the guy who couldn't, you know, interject his stupid thought on Twitter, you know, twelve years ago or ten years ago or whatever, now can, you know, put everything on there, and and, and you hear. You know, even celebrities, you know, like we're, we're big Howard Stern fans and Howard Stern 
started reading his mentions and stopped yep. after his, his therapist told him to stop reading the mentions after like a week of doing it because it was just depressing him because everybody right. said how much he sucked and how much they hate him and all this other stuff. And, you know, the guy has millions and millions of listeners. He's got fans everywhere, but even the fans bash him because I think that's just what people want to do because they're so miserable in their lives as well. So asking to a happy person like Gorney and Dave Barry, I think you're pretty happy too. Um, yeah, so you guys are like living the life out in California. The weather's nice. You got your kids. You barely work. You know, you got all that stuff going. For Not get my head pounded in by a three hundred pound lineman. <laughs> so, what do what do happy people think about this uh, emotional side of football? Well, I would I would say I'm I'm happy for Gronk realizing it instead of staying in it and being miserable. Although he didn't rule out an NFL return. Um, I think, I, I think you could be two things at once. And I think in today's world, you have to be one thing or the other, but I think you could be two things at once. You could be, you could know that you were unhappy playing football and still miss it and want to go back to it. You know, I think that's kind of where he is in life. He's a young guy. He now feels good. He feels pain free. And I think, you know, what does he do for the next 10, 15 years of his life while he can still play football? I think that Andrew Luck is going to do the same thing. Luck is a little different because he wants to travel and, you know, he already has made his money and I could definitely see him getting into some sort of ownership group or something like that. Um, and maybe Gronkowski does the same thing. But, um, you know, a lot of people are unhappy in their jobs um, but need to stay in those jobs for financial reasons or, or whatever else where these guys have made their money. Now, the average sh shelf life, I just looked this up, of an NFL football player is 3.3 years. Right. So both of these guys have played far longer than the stats say they should. Right. In the NBA, where physicality is far less, it's 3.8 years. So mm -hmm. it's not like the, you know, I think these are just rare examples um, of what we're seeing and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are unhappy every week, you know, nursing back an injury and then going out and colliding with people all over again. Uh, but a lot of people do it to feed their families so their kids and their grandkids don't have to work. And, um, you know, I, I applaud these guys for stepping away. If they're not happy, if they don't want to deal with injuries, that's perfectly fine. Go do something else with your life. Yeah, and I, I think we're just starting to see uh, a little bit of honesty. Mm -hmm. and, I th and I think it's going to open up the floodgates. I think you're going to hear from a lot of ex-players, you know, they're talking about their life after football or what football, you know, gave them but also did to them. And I think you're going to see a whole lot of guys, you know, not using it as an excuse but, but saying that their emotional well-being is part of the reason that they're stepping away from football. Um, maybe other sports too. Obviously, football takes a, a bigger toll on you. And, you know, it's funny because football was always one of those sports where you had to be the tough guy. I think hockey's probably first in that department. When you take a 80-mile-an-hour slap shot to the face and you get stitched up and come out for the second period, that's a little bit extreme. But I think football's the next level. But now that we're talking about safety and CTE and, and quality of life after football, um, I think the emotional side of things is going to really be of interest as well. So, But again, I think you could be two things at once, Mike. I think you could be 
a tough guy who wants to hit people hard and also be cognizant of your emotional well-being. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I, I just mentioned snowflakes, and snowflakes to me are guys that can't take any criticism, uh, very thin-skinned, but that could, I mean, that could, that is part of an emotional problem. You know, it's, it's part of your your makeup. So, you know, I'm calling kids snowflakes in one sentence, and then I'm saying, yeah, I understand why these guys you know, step away from aggression. So what I'm called is a massive hypocrite. But yeah, <laughs> massive is the key word there. Massive. I found it very, very interesting. <laughs> this all happened within two days or three days of each other. I mean, this is really unheard of stuff. So it's yeah. not really high school football, but I think it plays in. And the expectations heaped on these kids at an early age uh, certainly contribute to it. So there's no good games this weekend. The only good one is maybe Auburn, Oregon. Yeah, no, that's a good game. You're right. That's that's that that should be a good game. I I think Auburn's going to win. I'm really really interested to see Bo Nix go against yeah. Justin Herbert and, and see how Bo Nix is utilized in his first game as a true freshman. But it's at home, so I think I, I think it's a neutral. Si- I think it's a neutral site. Oh, it is. Yeah, I think. I should probably know that. Um, Auburn's a three and a half point favorite. That's why I assumed it was home because why would they be a three and a half point favorite over a team higher ranked? I'm surprised the over under so high. It's fifty five and a half. It's AT and T Stadium. Yeah, yeah. fifty five and a half it seems high. That seems high. I, I think Auburn is much like Jaron Williams. Uh, they're not going to give Bo Nix a lot of tough throws. I think they're going to try to pound Oregon up front. Um, and I think Oregon probably, much like last year, will uh, will have a tough time moving the ball against Auburn's defense. So I think this is more of a low-scoring game. Um, you know, I think I could see a, a very similar 24-20 kind of game like, like Florida-Miami. But I think 55.5 is a little high there. That means some team is – you know, if you're thinking, what's the what's the spread? Three and a half? Uh, so yeah, three and a half. four points for Auburn. That's like a 30 to 26. That's like a 30 to 26 game. That, does, that seems a little high to me. 31-27, something like that. I got two teams on an <laughs> upset alert. Upset there. alert. All right. Let me try to pick them for you. Do you have a cough button going on? I don't. Uh, okay. I don't have anything, really. Yeah. All right. Upset alert. You ready? Let me, let me go through them. Let See if you can pick them. my two. Yeah, let's I'm going to try let's, to. Let's slow this down a little bit more. I think I think you have Wisconsin on upset alert. I do not. Oh, okay. You have Stanford on upset alert. I do not. Uh, well, who do you have on upset alert? <laughs> I have Utah. Utah on upset alert. No. I think I Utah. BYU. I think Utah creams BYU. That's mm-hmm. one of my plays of the day. I don't know. It's a rivalry game. You know. I, Does, I, doesn't matter. The line's only five. Very suspicious line for the number 14 team in the country. And BYU is not considered a great football team. So I, I'm, I'm just looking at that one and I'm wondering, hmm. Mm-hmm. The other one is going to surprise a lot of people because it's a 22-point line, but it's Houston and Oklahoma. Hmm. Yeah, this will be Jalen Hurts' first game in the Oklahoma offense. The defense is susceptible. Houston has an amazingly talented quarterback. Uh, you know, I don't know. 
it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're going to lose outright, but I think that game's going to be a little bit closer than, than, than people think. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to be back and forth. I mean, Holgerson Eight. knows Oklahoma pretty well. Yeah. 82 and a half is that over under and honestly yeah. I think well, I might take the over in that game. That's awesome. See that's the type of stuff, you know, we complain about these sloppy football games 24-20 with all the fumbles and turnovers and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, but I also complain about the, you know, 52 to 49 games where there's just no defense being played. I'd like a little combination of it, but I I don't I, mind the 24-20 games as long as it's well-played football, but if everything is a turnover and a flag and an interception and an overthrow, then it's hard to watch. Yeah, it, it, it definitely was hard to watch. I think, you know, we won't see a whole lot of defense in that Houston Oklahoma, but I, I'm interested to see how Oklahoma's defense looks in their first game, you know? Yeah. Coordinator, and that's going to be the thing that determines whether they, you know, win the Big 12 and, and go, go on to the playoff is their defense, because we know their offense can put up points, but eventually they're going to have to stop somebody. Um, yeah. So we'll see. But no, I don't, I don't think South Florida has a chance to beat Wisconsin. Um, I did see somebody put a $30,000 bet on that. Did you see that? Really? For, on South Florida? Yeah. And they were, get, they were getting 14. So, uh, but yeah, Vegas took a minus 14, $30,000 bet. So somebody's got some intel that the Bulls are going to cover, or they're just extremely rich and like to throw money around. We're not uh, sold on Jack Cohen. Oh, Jack Cohen's awful. <laughs> But he won't be the starter for long. I mean, we know Graham Mertz is going to be in there. Uh, he'll see time, I think, in the first game itself. He'll probably yeah. a few reps. And then, you know, if, if the game is comfortable enough, and then he'll be the starter for sure. There's no doubt about it. That, that was one of the surprising quarterback, uh, you know, starting decisions. Most of them, you know, Jeremy Williams was surprising to us. Uh, most of them have been very predictable, but... I was a little bit shocked. And again, we liked Cone out of high school, but he's the same guy. Yeah. Like he hasn't really added much size. His arm strength's still very average. And, you know, but all he's got to do is turn around and hand it off to. Hand it off to Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor and let him do his thing. And behind that big offensive line. So what was the other one you thought I might have on upset? Uh, Northwestern over Stanford. Yeah, that's an interesting one because Northwestern obviously had a good year last year. They've got some weapons. Uh, Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson, yeah. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing. I, I would take K.J. Costello over Hunter Johnson and the experience the Stanford, you know, offense. and But they did lose some playmakers for sure. Um, yeah. You know, so they're going to be just like Wisconsin. They're just going to line it up and they're going to try to power you. Um whereas Northwestern's going to spread it out a little bit. Northwestern has, you know, a very interesting defense because I think it's going to be much better than it has been in the last few years, uh, led by Patty Fisher and some of those guys. They, uh, but they're a program that's used to outscoring teams as well, and I'm not sure if they're going to be able to, you know, roll up a ton of points on Stanford. No, I don't, I don't think so. How about this for a stat, Mike? I just looked this up. And speaking of overuse and and all those things, and this will undoubtedly come up when we're doing NFL draft prep and listening to all that stuff heading into next year. Jonathan Taylor, okay, in two seasons has 606 carries. Last year he had 307 carries. Mm-hmm. 
Todd Gurley in three years at Georgia, 5'10". Well, remember, he was suspended for quite some time, too. I know, but he still played in 20, 30 games. Hmm. And well, Taylor's played in yeah. 27 so far. And, and Taylor's, so, Taylor's the guy. I mean, obviously, they don't really split carries like Georgia did. We're does. talking about possibly close to over 900 carries for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. Um, That's too much. Yeah, it'll play a factor in where he's drafted. But, uh, you know, the 40 time will be more important if he goes out there and, you know, busts off a 4 5 one at, you know, 230-something pounds, just like A.J. Dillon has been – you know, overused at Boston College. Uh, yeah. It really depends on how those guys run. But, you know, with the Ezekiel Elliott situation, obviously he sees that, hey, they're going to, they're eventually going to get rid of me. Right. You know, I mean, the only one who really stayed for his entire career, again, Jim Brown retired early. You know, Gail Sayers retired early, so they stayed with one team. Barry Sanders retired. Uh, Terrell Davis retired early. Guys like that stay with one team, but the Adrian Petersons and Emmett Smiths of the world, all those guys, you know, ending up at different teams at the end of their career. Um, I mean, everybody remembers OJ in the San Francisco uniform. <laughs> well, um, either 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 they're going to get rid of me, or I only got so much left. I got to get paid now. You know. Well, that's true too. Well, that's part of it. You know, because you, you will only have so much left. I mean, you can't talk about a contract like you are with a quarterback. You know, yeah. you can't talk about giving, you know, an eight-year deal to a running back and guaranteeing him so much money, especially after they did it with Gurley. And now, you know, they found out, obviously, he's got arthritis, I think, in one of his knees. Yep. Now they're going to have to lessen the load. Here's a question back to college football. Bigger fan meltdown. Hmm. Nebraska loses to South Alabama. <laughs> or Texas loses to Louisiana. Yeah, I I actually think it's Nebraska. Um, and he, here's why the the preseason hype of Nebraska has gotten to a point where uh, Adrian Martinez is being compared to Patrick Mahomes, and they are 36 point favorites mm-hmm. against South Alabama. Now. To get to thirty to a thirty-six point favorite, if if South Alabama just scores a touchdown, you got to be to forty-five points. You know, I mean, that's pretty much where you are because forty-two doesn't get you there. So uh, that's that's saying a whole lot um, about this Nebraska team, especially after losing their top wide receiver, having some questions at running back about what's going to go on there. Uh, there's a whole lot of expectation there that uh, after one season might be a little high at Texas. Uh, th- there would be fan meltdown too, but they lost to Maryland twice as in the season opener. So they're used to losing in the season opener and they're yeah, only 20, 20 and a half point favorites. That's not what we can attack. And again, neither of these things are going to happen. I mean, no, you know, I mean, look at last year, South Alabama won three games. Yeah. And they played one good team, really. You could throw Memphis in there if you want to count them as a good team. They lost 55 to 13 to Oklahoma State. So, yeah. um, you know, they're just not a good football team. And, they're going to get destroyed. But but I was just looking at it, and I'm like, you know, there's always that week one upset that right. comes out of the blue, which is crazy. Uh, not always, but, 
you know, oftentimes. Could so Lane just, could Lane give Ohio State a little little bit of problems? Uh no. No. <laughs> no. I mean with Fields as the starter, you know, there are gonna be some some growing pains and things like yeah. that, but Lane's not gonna give them any problem. Um Middle two, could give Michigan a little bit of a problem. Two lines I'm surprised by. I am surprised. Well, two teams I feel so bad for, Duke and Georgia Tech. I think I think Alabama's going to win that game 62 to nothing. Uh, I think Alabama is coming into this season feeling like they have a lot to prove and a lot to make up for from last year. And I think Duke with a new quarterback is going to really feel it in week one. And then Georgia Tech is a team made up of option offense players who are now going to run pro spread stuff. So that's not going to be pretty either. Um, And then the line I'm really surprised at, Notre Dame only 20-point favorites at Louisville. Uh, Louisville team that is really just not going to be very good this year, I don't think. I think Notre Dame completely rolls in that game. Yeah, I think so too. Um, So it should be an interesting weekend. We know there'll be one upset you know, that shocks everybody. Um, or we assume there will be. There'll be a couple of good games or interesting games to keep an eye on, and then there'll be a couple of ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous blowouts. So, no. um, but I don't want to focus too much on week one because it's it's kind of a lame schedule. So, yeah. last thing we'll get to is uh, recruiting because that's kind of what we do. It's our little bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, I wrote something today about Texas and what they're doing on the recruiting trail. They are currently number six in the country. Uh, Looking at the top ten, if you want to pull that up, which is the team that surprises you the most that's in the top ten? Surprises me the most that's in the top ten? Yep, so you got Clemson one, LSU two, Ohio State three, Alabama four, Georgia five, then Texas six, Michigan seven, Florida State eight, Miami nine, Notre Dame ten. Yeah, um, I think a few teams surprised me there. I think Florida State being so high is a credit to Willie Taggart's recruiting ability, even though nothing has been shown on the field. Um, I'm going with Florida State. All right, I'm going to go with Miami. Yeah, Miami, also very good. It's a little surprising because, you know, again, they've had a coaching change. I know Manny Diaz is selling, you know, excitement. But, you know, he's the third coach in how many years at Miami there? Just not playing up to the old U. Um, no. Florida State's coming off a five and seven season, so I can see why you picked them. Uh, but they're always going to recruit the top ten. Just mm-hmm. always. I, I don't think there's been a time, even when Bobby Bowden and you know was near the end, and the team was giving up horrendous amounts of points and losing to teams they should never lose to. They still always finish in the top ten recruiting because of that that home state advantage. I, I think Miami. Used to have a South Florida advantage, but now everybody's going in there and stealing those kids away. So, yeah, Miami's the surprise to me. And then, as you take a look at it, the one team that's outside the top 10 right now that is clearly going to be in the top 10 by the end of it. Uh, Put you on the spot. I'll give you my answer while you think of one. So, you can copy my answer. If you want. Okay, yes, it's clearly going to be Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yep. commitments, 3.67 average. They're number 20 in the country. I think they're going to finish somewhere up near 8 or 7. But they will finish behind Texas this year. Texas has done an amazing 
uh, recruiting job. And Texas finished ahead of Oklahoma last year, and there was some controversy there because of Drew McCoy was included in the class and all that right, stuff. Right, right. Uh, but this year, I don't think there's going to be any doubts whatsoever that Texas is going to have the higher class. Is going to have the higher class, yeah. And the way they're recruiting has been phenomenal. I think winning that, you know, there's kind of three Bermuda, Bermuda triangles of recruiting Texas, Oklahoma, Texas, A&M, and then Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, and then maybe the Florida schools can kind of be in that one too. But I think Texas is now clearly pulled ahead of, at least for now, Oklahoma and Texas A&M in terms of this recruiting class. The last few weeks, in what are generally kind of quiet times leading into senior seasons, August has been very, very good to Texas. Well, that's the thing that I wrote today, which was so poignant and amazing. Uh, yep, incredible stuff. It was. I mean, it's really hard to read it without using those type of adjectives. <laughs> Mac Brown used to junior day in February, junior day in March, recruiting class done by June, never really go out of state unless it's a quarterback, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're doing this in the summer. They're doing this since July 4th. They're doing this with kids from Arizona and Utah and elsewhere. Um, you know, so I think it's just a much more impressive recruiting job that Tom Herman's doing than Mac Brown. That does that mean he's going to win a national championship? If they keep recruiting this way, there's two teams I've got that are going to win a national championship if they continue to recruit the way they are. Let me guess. Georgia. Let me guess. Oh, oh come on. damn! It's so easy though. I've said it before. Georgia and Texas. Yeah, those are the two. And that, and that is says, going out on a limb. How is Michigan not in there? You know, like, because they've been recruiting pretty well. I mean, they're top 10 classes under Jim Harbaugh and all that stuff. Ohio State's not in there because they've won a national championship. So I'm not including teams like Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama that have won recent national championships. What about LSU? LSU is recruiting very no, well. No, absolutely not going to happen. No. First of all, they're in the SEC West. Secondly, I don't believe in their head coach as a football coach. I think he's a great recruiter, but. I still think that they're going to have some some stumbles there, and and until they figure out that quarterback issue, which they yeah. always seem to have, until they become a more balanced offense, they're they're always going to lose a couple of games. I've got Texas A and M as my sleeper in the SEC West to challenge Alabama. Um, I don't know if they're ready for prime time yet. I don't know what we're going to see with Kalamon this year. If we're going to see that next step. Yeah, you know, because he had a good year last year, but he was still erratic. But he played his best games against the best teams last year. Yeah, or at least you know against the Alabamas of the world and and Clemson's of the world. And I just think you know there's so much potential with him if he can get his accuracy straight that he could be a very dangerous quarterback. I hope he stays four years. I hope he doesn't have a big year and they fall short and then he goes off to the pros. I don't think he'd be ready for that. Right. At all. Um, but. You know, again, most of these kids are three and outs and all that stuff. But Texas A&M, more than LSU, I, I think LSU has great roster talent, as always. But And they're recruiting really well nationally, but they're going to lose some of these kids. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. You know, they, they might lose Elias Ricks. I mean, you know more about that than I do. Yeah, there's the, a chance. Th- there's definitely a chance. I think <laughs> the biggest competitor would be Ohio State, and it all it also has to, will play a factor on how Ricks either really likes or really doesn't like playing at IMG and being away from home this season. I think that's going to be a big telling point on. Um, and if USC hires a new coach, 
coming back and playing. I mean, we're, we're trying to make predictions, but try to predict Brew McCoy and Chris Steele last year. You know, it's, a, it's just an impossible thing. So I think uh, Elias Ricks, Ohio State, will not stop coming after him. Um, I think a lot of schools are going to keep after Damon Clowney from Baltimore. You're just looking Rick at how – Jim Jarrett. Yeah, Jim Jarrett I mean, is a big there's threat There's a lot to of leave. talk about him going to Maryland yep. by the end of the process. Yeah, so uh, there's Jordan Tolls. You know, if you're committed to LSU from from Maryland heading into your senior season, I think there's a, at least a chance that uh, other schools can kind of come in and make it interesting. Yeah, Sampa seems to be the most solid. Yeah, um, I think so. Virginia kid, but you know, we'll see who comes in after him and how he does after recovering from his injury and all that stuff. I guess he's set to play game three of his football season. So he's coming back from ACL surgery in January. Uh, but, yeah, when you look at this class, this is not going to be the, the final class for LSU. So that's why I think they're recruiting very well. I like the way they're recruiting nationally, but I do not see this turning out to be the number been... two class in the country. And right. They're going to they're gonna lose some guys there. So. So those are those are my two. Last thing, you guys want to know how how it's going on my Facebook groups? Nah, not really. Okay, the, the ninety day ninety day fiance one. I haven't really been that interactive with the Big Brother. Yeah. Do you, do you watch the live feeds? No, you know we used to watch uh, Big Brother After Dark, um, but we have no time now because one we're loaded up with shows, and then two, uh, we're watching Thirteen Reasons Why season three right now, and then uh, that's with, right with up my alley. That's up my alley. Yeah, it's a. You're it, not it, watching. You're not watching Thirteen Reasons Why season three with the daughter. Oh, God, no. No, absolutely not. We only watch Elmo and Grouchland and uh, Trolls. She loves Trolls and Shrek 2. Not Shrek 1, but only Shrek 2. Interesting. She tells Alexa to play the Shrek 2 soundtrack, and she's actually like Alexa understands what she's saying, so we're pretty impressed. Do you guys, does she sing Baby Shark or is that past? No, it is still a thing. So last night we were making dinner, and she said... She calls Alexa Wexa, and then she says shark. So, you know, she gives you these little cues, and then you say Alexa, baby shark. Her problem is that she wants it played like 20 times in a row, not just once. And I love it. That's when uh, 13 Reasons Why starts popping into my head. On <laughs> <laughs> That's one of your 13 Reasons Why? <laughs> That's one of my 13 Reasons Why. You just need 12 more and it's over. More. Yeah, right. Gorney's, Gorney's done. Let's end it. Let's end it. Yeah. Yeah, let's get out of here. 13 Reasons another... Why we end this. Let's go. <laughs> Reason number one, it's time to go. All right. We'll see everybody again next week. <laughs>